Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Route 25, brought to you by Fox Valley Magazine and When and How Communications. Today, we're talking to Billy Bob Thornton and his uh, partner, J.D. Andrew, uh, who com- together comprise the band The Boxmasters. Now, obviously, Billy Bob Thornton has made a brilliant career in, uh, in acting. Um, not many people know as much about his music, I don't think, but uh, he has been doing this for a very long time, something like 17 years, I think, uh, all while doing his acting uh, career. Um, and uh, he's, a, he's an interesting guy, and, and so is his, his music partner, J.D. Andrew. So we talk a little bit about how he got into this uh, and sort of how they met up, and, and then talk a lot about the style of music they play. Um, and it's, it's, it's a rock and roll band, and uh, so if, if you like that kind of music, um, they're probably worth seeing. They're, they're going to be showing up at the Des Plaines Theater on Wednesday, May 25th. So, you know, if you might want to, you might want to check them out. I, I think it'd be probably a pretty entertaining show. You know, I'm going to have to apologize for the sound of this, uh, uh, discussion. Um, it sounded like Billy Bob and actually JD as well, uh, are quite under the weather. There's a lot of, uh, sneezing and <laughs> stuff that we just couldn't get out. Uh, and they also, I think, talked to us on uh, a singular cell phone, which is difficult to deal with. But, uh, my apologies. It gets better as, as the uh, production goes on. So with that, let's talk to Billy Bob Thornton and J.D. Andrew. So the Boxmasters started in 2007, right? Um, thereabouts. But um, for Billy, for you, I mean, you, you seem to have it in your blood, it being the music. Um, well before that, I, I think I read that you... Uh, you played in high school bands, but you were also a roadie for a whole bunch of folks, uh, yeah. inc- including the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, which I, <laughs> which I gotta believe has some pretty good stories. But <laughs> yeah. um, so 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 this is this was way before you sort of got into acting, right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, uh, worked for a sound company, but uh, so I wasn't the personal roadie for any of those people. I- the sound company that uh so we whatever uh band the system went out with that's who we worked for and uh yeah i got to work for a lot of heroes of mine which was really cool and went to la to play music and the hair band scene wasn't my bag and uh made a little money doing that other stuff and started back playing music in the 90s and uh and then jd and i i did four solo albums uh and uh yeah that's how we got hooked up is billy was making his fourth solo record called beautiful door and his engineer that uh he'd had for years uh got a job doing uh, sports broadcasting and so he needed somebody for a couple of weeks to help finish that record so uh my or his music manager was also a person that i knew and she uh you know, she'd ask me, it's like, Hey, do you want to come work with Billy for a couple of weeks to finish a record? It's like, well, heck yeah. So, uh, we did that. And then, you know, somewhere as we were finishing up the record, somebody asked him to record a version of lost highway by uh, Hank Williams for a Canadian TV show. And I was the only one there and he'd seen me plunking around on a guitar, you know, in between things. And he's like, how well do you play guitar? Do you want to uh, record this song with me? And, <laughs> 
I nervously said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we put it together and, uh, it had a sound that was, uh, really intriguing. I know it, uh, you know, really inspired Billy, you know, to, uh, it's like, Hey, let's do some more stuff. And, uh, yeah, that was 16 years ago. So that's we've... pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, in fact, that was my next question. I was going to say how you guys hooked up. That's pretty neat. Um, all right. So, so in, in, in terms of the music itself, so I got this, I, I'm reading this, you know, look, I mean, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I'm, I'm really skeptical of, of um, the notes for albums, right? The descriptions and, and all that stuff. I mean, a lot of it always strikes me as, as being sort of, I don't know, BS. <laughs> all right. Well, no, 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 no. It's, 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 it's the liner notes, you know, it's the, and so I'm okay. So I'm, I'm reading, you're going to be at the displays theater this coming week on Wednesday. Um, uh, that's May 25th at 7 PM for everybody out there. Um, and it's okay. So here's, here's, here's the description they give listening and they're going to get, they're going to be very angry at me for doing this, but I'm sorry. Listening to the box maxers, one uh, box masters, one can hear obvious odes to the Beatles, birds and beach boys, but also to the important box masters, the Mothers of Invention, Christ- Christopherson, John Prine, and Big Star. Okay, so I get, I get some of that, right? I mean, there, there, there's certainly some of that. But you know, rather than having them to describe it, how would you guys describe your influences? Because it's a very varied. It seems like an extremely varied thing, and it also has changed from when you started to now. I mean, how would you guys describe your music and your influences? Well, see, the first couple of records were not even the way we sound. The first two records were experiments that we did. And we said, you know, what if we sing like David Allen Coe and play hillbilly music influenced by the British invasion? And we take British invasion songs and turn them into hillbilly songs and vice versa. Right, right. And we sort of like thought, well, what if Frank Zappa made a hillbilly record? What would it sound like? <laughs> And uh, we're talking about the early Mother's Invention there. And uh, I grew up listening to them and uh, Captain Beefheart and the Bonzo Dog Band and all that. So actually, the description of our influences was our own description. Okay. Uh, And the reason for that is, and I know it sounds uh, like, oh, that's a lot of different influences. But, you know, influences are not always obvious. You know, sometimes they're things that, you know, are very subtle. But, you know, a lot, especially early on, a lot of our stuff uh, had some very sort of tongue in cheek uh, lyrics, you know, and uh, had a lot of humor in it. And that's the Zappa influence right there. And then as time went on, you know, uh, you know, some of our favorite songwriters are Christopherson and John Pride. So we're not influenced in terms of the, the types of songs they wrote and how they sound. But by the fact that they wanted to write lyrics that were good, <laughs> you know, that, right, that, right. that actually meant something and, and were poetic, you know, so that's where that comes from. In terms of the sound, you know, the way we naturally play and the way we play these days, you know, uh, people have compared us to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and also a big star influence there. And, you know, we, we like that Memphis sound like the box tops and big star. And so we're influenced by the British invasion and Memphis and Southern California. And, uh, but, you know, live, we're a little bit more punk than, than, uh, what the records are, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, one, high energy, you know, and sort of crazy. Sure. If, 
boiled it down really to a band. You know, it's like we didn't realize until we started reading about them more. But the band we probably most identify with, as far as, you know, who are we, would be a band like the Kinks. You know, the Kinks were very anti-establishment. Sure, sure. were funny. They were, you know, and they did whatever they wanted to do. And that's kind of what we've done, you know, throughout our career. It's like whatever we feel like doing, you know, from record to record or tour to tour, anything like that. You know, we don't have any real um, adults watching us, you know, saying, hey, you have to do this. You know, if you're going to go far in your career, you have to, you know, maintain this path or cultivate this audience. It's like we don't really give a crap. We just record music that we want to record and write songs that we want to write. And then you know, run our business, how, you know, we, uh, yeah, 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 sure. I get it. No, it's interesting that you mentioned that the Tom Petty, that was exactly what I was thinking when I was listening to some of your tracks on the, um, yeah, I mean, uh, they, they, they listened to the same stuff we did. It's just, you know, they did it, you know, in a different decade. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. No, I, I'm, I'm guessing one of those tongue in cheek ones was I'll give you a ring. I'm sorry. When I listened to that, I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) I I was breaking up the whole time. So, um, I, I appreciate that. And again, the, the Zappa reference there is perfect. So, so you've, you've had this sort of arc, I mean, mod Billy to, to the current one, I believe is help. I'm alive. Right. Um, um, so that's, that's, pretty cool i mean that as time do you give the i guess my question is do you give this a lot of thought or is it just sort of an absorption of things i mean i ask this of, of sort of all artists you know is this a conscious thing is it a subconscious thing is it just how i feel right now because you, your, your sound has really changed and um you know i guess it's, is, is that just subconscious or is that a, a, an, an intentional direction well uh you know, like I said, the first two albums were an experiment. They were they were like a, a on purpose. Those records were uh, just this sort of uh, uh, thing we came up with. It's like okay, we're going to try this, and then after that, we just started playing the way we sound, and uh, because we didn't want to get stuck in something, because people get the wrong idea sometimes that we're a country band or hillbilly or. Or, the, or we sound like the, you know, Burrito Brothers or something like that. But, <laughs> uh, you know, that's just not the case. And so we didn't want to do another record like that because we didn't want to get pigeonholed into that. So then we just became the rock and roll band that we wanted to be. And then uh, more like what we grew up doing. And, uh, I mean, we're rock and roll British Invasion uh, classic rock fans and and to a degree punk fans and uh so that's what we eventually did is we just said well, let's just do what we do but you know different records i mean you can actually hear the transition after the first couple of records yeah yeah hear us go from that into sort of like a more birdsy kind of band and then from that into more of you know beatles birds and box tops kinks animals that kind of thing and then uh eventually we just became you know you just you find the sound that you naturally do and it's not that we haven't purposely done things sometimes like when jd and i get back from this tour we're going to start polishing off this uh, thing we started which is going to be a psychedelic record <laughs> and, uh, and we did decide to do that uh, we also wrote two 75 minute rock operas 
But, you know, when you tell the label that, hey, guess what? We have two 75-minute rock operas. That doesn't exactly thrill them. So, because uh, those are kind of a thing of the past, but we're going to put them out in some form someday. Yeah, one of those was Dinosaur, right? I, I, I remember I remember reading about that. I haven't, I haven't heard it, but is that, is that, that's one of them, right? That's one. Dinosaur is one, and the other one is called uh, And Then We Drove. And, uh, and Then We Drove is... Uh, is still a work in progress. We've been working on it for years. And Dinosaur, we're going to have to update some because we did it so long ago uh, that there will be a couple of songs that we'll probably take out of it and uh, write a couple of new ones for it. But, you know, we're determined to put them out someday, somehow. And even if it's on our website and we just sell them at the shows, I mean, it may not be something that our label wants to do because uh, that's not exactly where you get on the charts. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess except for the Who, right? They're about yeah. the only ones. Um, but but when you you were saying, you know, are we just you know doing them, you know, like just doing whatever we feel? It's like there's for each record as we're going into it, we have a pretty definite idea of what this record's going to be. It's right. you know, like it's going to be, you know, guys. It's like what kind of songs and instruments would we play in 1966 or, you know, what, what kind of stuff was going on, you know, at the end of the sixties, let's do, you know, let's, let's take all those kind of influences and make that kind of the basis of this record. And, uh, you know, so there, each one does have a thing going into it. Like what is, what are we focusing on, on this record? And, and also, like each record, we'll, you know, decide we're using, you know, some other instrument. We'll add to, you know, the sound palette for whatever, whatever we're working on this time. So, like the new record we just finished right before we left, we used more piano on than we've ever used. You know, just using different instruments just to kind of, you know, just change the sound a little bit. And yeah. uh, you know, it's real subtle, but it's still obviously us. And, yeah. you know, it's just the two of us making the record. So there's only so far we can go with making it, you know, sound different. But each one has a you know, slightly ch- different change or different kind of overall thing that goes through it that just kind of changes the sound just a touch. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're going to be playing this Plains Theater, which is I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's it's a I don't know if you've been there before, but it's it's a you know, it's 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 a it's a beautiful old theater. Um, I don't, I forget what the seating is, but, but I remember reading something, um, that, you know, you sort of have a different vibe when you're playing a different venue, which makes complete sense. Obviously, you know, if you're playing, if you're playing a club, you've got one sound, if you're playing a, um, uh, you know, a stadium, that's a complete other sound. This one's kind of in between. It's probably more clubbish. I mean, is, is that true? I mean, is there sort of a different, do you have a different sort of, uh, approach to each, each performance? Well, we don't change musically. We change uh, the approach in terms of how we deal with the audience, you know, uh, yeah. because I mean, I'll put it this way. I mean, and because, you know, uh, you have to understand when you come to the, especially theaters uh, in theaters and like if you're playing a casino venue or something like that, you're going to get a very, very eclectic audience. And uh, so you have everything from grandmothers and grandfathers to uh young people to construction workers to nurses and everything right. else 
we just like to tell people before we come somewhere that they that they need to know that we're not going to play any songs they've ever heard if they haven't seen us before if they don't have our records you know that this is all original music and it is rock and roll music and it is loud and so in other words uh if we let people know and that's why we rely on people like yourself uh to put that word out to people you know it's like if you're going to come to this show i'm i don't that we're not going to do like an excerpt from Peter Pan or any monologue. <laughs> and also, if it's too loud, you know, if you don't like loud rock and roll music, original loud rock and roll music, uh, then, you know, maybe it's not the show for you. I mean, you know, uh, so because you get stuck in places every now and then where it is like the Blues Brothers, you know, you go in there and you need chicken wire because... <laughs> next thing you know you know there you got a bunch of people you know in the back row like wearing cowboy hats and pink cowboy shirts and stuff and uh they're you know usually the ones who uh by the first 20 minutes or have decided yeah we came to the wrong show right so, uh, so you break into rawhide right yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know, we need rock and roll fans in the audience. We normally get that. And we have a lot of fans across the country and we have a pretty great following. So uh, it's just that the places where we haven't been before and that we haven't done a lot of media for, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are the places where we usually run into that. And But even at those shows, there's all the people who are up front are always the ones who come crowd the stage and are already fans. And so, you know, we play to them and we play to whoever's there. Uh, this tour has been very, the last few tours have been very successful. And so we have a lot of momentum behind us and, uh, and it's great. But once in a blue moon, you run into a place that's like, you know, uh, somebody writes to the sound man's thing the next day. Uh, I don't know anything about technology, but whatever, however they do this. <laughs> well, we really liked the band, but it was too loud and the speakers were too loud. And it's like, well, A, we already said it's a rock and roll band and B, don't stand in front of the speaker. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I get, I get you completely. All right. So I'm, I don't, we have, don't have much time here. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to the, the, the philosophical question. And that is, okay. So, so there's this, there seems to be this, I, I recently interviewed Kiefer Sutherland. He came through here um, a few weeks ago um, with his, with his um, show. And, um, you know, there's guys like Gary Sinise. Uh, there's this, there seems to be this actor singer sort of nexus. Um, and then, you know, going the other way, it's uh, Christopherson. Um, and then, you know, Sinatra and Elvis are sort of the big ones, you know, big, big, obvious ones. So what do you think? I mean, is there is there something about acting and writing and music that is sort of a draw to each other? Is there sort of this nexus or connection between those things? Because I think I find that to be really interesting. There seems to be this recurring theme that actors and actors want to be singers and singers want to be actors. What do you think? I think the actors who are singers were already singers before they became actors. Just like, you know, if you get somebody, let's say there's a bartender who gets famous and he was an asshole when he was a bartender, he's probably going to be an asshole when he's a singer. Uh, so I think people 
are who they are. And if you're an artist of any type, you probably do all of it. And in the old days, uh, that was the norm. Uh, if you were going to do movies in the old days, you had to ride a horse, sing, dance, hula hoop, everything else. Right. <laughs> so, right. So entertainers are entertainers and grew up in music because that's all we had. You know, I didn't grow up in a place where they had movies or anything like that. So it wasn't like I grew up wanting to be Rock Hudson or somebody. And uh, so uh, I was just in bands and then did this. And a lot of people like to say that uh, about, you know, like uh, musicians who become actors, you know, it's like, well, if they're good, it doesn't really matter what they, you know what I mean? Christopher, no, no, no. no right. He's a good actor. Sinatra won uh, a Grammy and an Oscar. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that's just the way it, it was in the old days. People, people didn't compartmentalize the way they do now. And so, and, you know, just like on the radio, when we were listening to stuff on the radio, we listened to James Taylor and Black Sabbath on the same radio station. It was all rock and roll. But now James Taylor's on the old guy soft love rock channel or something like that, you know. And <laughs> Black Sabbath is on the uh, oh it's too late there are no more stations that play classic rock anymore <laughs> category and you know and so, so I just I just think that you know people pigeonhole folks you know and look there are plenty of actors who make records who are not very good and there are plenty of them who are very good. And those guys, I guarantee you, didn't start out as actors. They started out as musicians. Yeah. Dwight Gilcom went to a theater program at Ohio State. Right. And Dwight does both, and he does both very well. So I just think that you can't, I mean, people will say that about you before they even hear you. Well, no, no, and I didn't, I didn't mean that in a, in a negative way. I, 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 I think there is a symbiosis. I mean, it's, but, but you're, you're, I think what you're saying is, it probably starts out as just being an entertainer, you know, and if you're an entertainer, you can do a lot of different things. Right. And, well, and music, yeah. music's the entryway to that. It generally is. Yeah. And, and I know what you were saying. I was just speaking to that phenomenon, you know, yeah. How, yeah. how people seem to get this idea about that. That doesn't really make any sense because I mean, let's say whoever it is, I don't know. I'll just pick out an actor that doesn't do that. Uh, let's say, Robert De Niro wanted to make a record. I don't know. And, <laughs> and, and so, and then everybody would go, oh, did you hear? It's so ridiculous. Robert De Niro's making a record. And then what if he comes out with a record and it's like, gosh, damn, he sounds like Tony Bennett. Right. You know, it's like, so, you know, I mean, so it, uh, all I'm saying is the whole thing about it doesn't make any sense. And so uh, I haven't heard Gary's stuff, Gary's niece, but, uh, I've heard some of the other guys' stuff, and I, you know, uh, I love it. I mean, Dennis Quaid puts on a really great high energy show. I like I like guys' stuff. Uh, uh, Dennis does more like uh, some original songs with mostly covers, but these days he's writing a lot of songs, and I love to go see him. And then I might go see somebody else who's only been a musician forever and, and be bored out of my skull. Yeah, fair enough. No, that's true. That's true. You know, and, and I got to tell you, I mean, Kiefer was was really awesome. I, I I really enjoy his stuff. He, you know, he he does a, he writes a lot about his past with Toronto. You know, he grew up in Toronto apparently, and uh, 
and and his life uh, there, which is it's really kind of touching stuff. I mean, I I, I thought I thought I think he's he's quite talented. So no, it's great, and I've listened to your stuff too, and it's great stuff. I mean, I. And particularly if you like rock and roll, man, it's a good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, and um, looking forward to uh, seeing you at the Displays Theater because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show up there. So if you see a guy in a big old cowboy hat and pink shirt, I'm the guy. All right. <laughs> that's that's cool. That's, I'm really glad you're coming. You know, because a lot of times we do interviews with people that are not necessarily in the, you know, the area. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we don't really get to see him face to face. So it's really good that you're coming. We'd love to see you. I'd love to see you too. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm not going to wear a hat, I promise. All right. <laughs> All right. Just want to say thank you very much. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to get out to the Displains Theater on May 25th, Wednesday at 7 p.m. I, I'm guessing it's going to be a hell of a show. So, um, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks, bud. All right, guys.